All right, good morning, everyone. Come on up, Jean. My name is Carla Chestnut. I'm from the Cedar Falls campus. This is Jean Gudlinski, and she's going to share her stories from the seats this morning. Jean is, uh, leads our Route 55 ministry on the Cedar Falls campus. Uh, a couple of things about Jean. She uh, is a visionary, and most of her vision is wrapped up in what does it look like to help people uh, experience Christian community grow together and have fun together. Um, she celebrates people really, really well. And she's one of the greatest organizers and uh, detail people that I've ever met. So to have somebody that pays really, really good attention to people and really, really good attention to detail mm -hmm. at the same time is pretty rare. So we're really fortunate yeah. to have Jean, and I think you'll really enjoy her story. And one more thing, thanks to all the Cedar Falls friends that have come mm -hmm. to encourage Jean this morning. You ready? I think so. All right. Yeah. Okay. Get this up here. Okay. Well, good morning. My name is Jean Gidlinski, and for the past 20 years, I've led Route 55, Orchards Ministry for Adults 55 and Better. And for the past 11 years, I've been very fortunate to partner with Jennifer Van Ghent. Jennifer leads Connect and Care, a team of volunteers who serve to help our senior adult members stay connected to their church family, even when age and health-related issues make it difficult for them to attend. Even though we have individual responsibilities, in practice, Jennifer and I really co-lead as we support one another in ministry. Next January, that chapter will come to a close as we both plan to retire and invite new leadership into our roles. I really cannot believe how quickly these 20 years have passed. I was 35 years old when I began, and now I've reached the milestone of becoming an adult 55 and better. Getting older has some benefits, and one of them is that we gain perspective. Looking back allows us to connect the dots and see God's hand in our journeys. That is what makes stories from the seats so powerful. I hope that you will be encouraged by my story today. So today is May 1st, so I'll begin by wishing you all a happy May Day. This is the day that children traditionally deliver May baskets to the doorsteps of neighbors, ring the bell, and run away. Maybe you did this. I remember it being so much fun. May Day kind of gives a picture of what my childhood was like, a middle-class family, Midwest, in a safe and friendly neighborhood. May is also the month of my birthday. I was born 56 years ago, almost, um, to Virgil and Anita Dowell in Cedar Falls. I was a middle child with two sisters and a younger brother. My dad was a professor of biology at UNI, and my mom, also a biologist, stayed home to raise us. My parents worked hard to provide for our futures. They prioritized the values of education, a strong work ethic, and an appreciation for nature. I feel very fortunate to have been born in this home, and I continue to see the benefits of those early family ties. As an adult, I have close relationships with my siblings and their spouses, and we all take great joy in the tight cousin bond between our now adult children. Although I was not raised with a Christian faith, I believe that my parents' deep appreciation of nature was a significant piece of my faith foundation. 
As I mentioned, my parents were biologists, and their fascination with creation served to point me to God at an early age. Although I don't recall any spiritual conversations in my childhood home, I believed in God. That was the extent of my simple faith, but it was a place to start. Growing up, I enjoyed learning about animals, and I felt a real bond with them. I would spend hours and hours alone with my menagerie of pets. A lot of kids love animals, but in my case, I believe this eventually became a crutch to avoid uncomfortable social interactions, and particularly the give and take of peer relationships. I received a lot of praise as a kid. In grade school, my parents and my teachers would often tell me how capable and how good I was. But even at a young age, I knew the reality I was not all that good. I knew my selfish thoughts, I recognized my deceptive ways, and clearly I was not as capable as they believed me to be. I didn't have the word sin in my vocabulary, but that's what I was noticing, and I felt shame. I was given credit that I didn't deserve, and if people knew my inner thoughts, I believe they would be very disappointed or maybe even appalled. I was convinced that I had fooled everyone. When I first heard the term imposter, it perfectly clarified the way I felt inside. Junior high and high school were complicated because I had avoided the work of learning how to be a friend during my formative years. I was self-centered, and on more than one occasion, I hurt good friends with my selfish choices. To this day, that is one of my big regrets. During these teen years, I began to experience depression, which led to compulsive behavior and an ugly eating disorder. In college, life got really hard. The eating disorder continued and became a deeply entrenched pattern of coping with stress. I floundered academically, but graduated and somehow managed to get into veterinary school at Iowa State. During the first semester of veterinary school, I knew I was in over my head. The eating disorder dominated much of my waking hours, and I was skipping class. I began having frightening panic attacks where I could not draw breath. My messed up life was closing in on me, and it was only a matter of time before everyone knew the truth. There would be no place to hide, and I could see no way out. I was eventually admitted to Mary Greeley Hospital in Ames for suicidal behavior and subsequently dropped out of school. One would think that the weeks that followed would have been the hardest time in my life, but what I remember is an enormous sense of relief. With counseling and medication, my mental health began to improve. I want to stop here for a moment. Um, if your life is a mess and you feel trapped with no way out, I want you to know that you're not alone. And if you desperately long to escape anxiety and pain, I get it. But what you need to know is that life has seasons, and your life is going to look very different in the future.
if you find yourself in a dark place without hope, give yourself another day and then another. Keep giving yourself another day, believing that God has good plans for you. I hope you'll hear in the rest of my story that life gets so much better. And I want you to know that the world needs what only you can offer. So the time came for me to move forward. There I was, a vet school dropout with a general science degree and the ability to talk with enthusiasm. Now, I'm a little nervous doing this today, so I'm subdued, but I can tell you that enthusiasm is one of my good qualities. However, those of you who know me will understand why my family likes to remind me that sometimes I need to rein it in. I have this special coffee cup at home. <laughs> it reads, your enthusiasm is scaring everyone. Isn't that great? So after getting some sales experience, I eventually landed a job in, as a pharmaceutical sales rep. It was a good fit at the time and the kind of job that would have made for a lucrative career. But since I'm standing here in front of you today as an Orchard Hill ministry staff, you, you know that God had other plans. My life took a big, beautiful step forward when I met Brian Gidlinski. We dated for a couple of years and then married in 1991. Neither one of us were churchgoers, so a wedding at Hartman Reserve Nature Center, officiated by a judge, suited us well. For so many reasons, marrying Brian was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And although everyone knows that marriage is not always easy, I love him and need him more with each passing year. Through our marriage, I also gained the amazing Gidlinski family. Brian and I have been so fortunate to have the families that we do. Even though my life was going well, old patterns die hard. For several more years, I would occasionally relapse into the eating disorder to cope with stress. But rather than a relentless compulsion, it was more like an old friend that could take the edge off. I know that sounds strange, but that's the best way I can describe it. Look, looking back, I can now see that God uses weakness to develop compassion. Because I have experienced mental illness and lived with compulsive and addictive behavior, I am better able to relate to another person's struggle, and I'm really grateful for that. Well, it's often said that becoming a parent changes everything, and I certainly found that to be true. Our son Gabe was born in 1995. When I held him, I was turned inside out with love and experienced the closest thing to a pure heart to another human being that I had ever felt. It was a feeling of intense gratitude mixed with a good measure of fear and humility. This beautiful little person was, would be completely dependent on Brian and me, and we needed to get it right. When Gabe was about a year old, I ended my career as a pharmaceutical sales rep and became a stay-at-home mom. It was a big step, 
cutting our household income in half, but Brian supported my calling to raise our kids, and I will forever be grateful. When our daughter Anya was born a year later, life got even better. She was so darn cute and full of fun. Our days were spent with cousins and neighbor kids, playing in the backyard, doing crafts, reading books, making, and making regular field trips to Hartman and to Prairie Lakes. I loved the routine and rhythm of our home, and I loved being Gabe and Anya's mom. For once in my life, I did not feel like an imposter. I felt like I was exactly where I belonged. In the months and years that followed, God used the gift of motherhood to grow my heart to the possibility that I needed him. In his perfect timing, I met two other young moms, Martha Stone and Sharon Mord. Each of these friends individually encouraged me to take steps in my faith. Sharon was particularly excited about Orchard Hill Church and suggested that I visit the Moms Morning Out group that met each Friday. I want to pause here for a moment and be sure to point out that it was this one invitation that changed my life in a very real way. Because of a simple, heartfelt invitation from another person, my story now intersects with Orchard's story. So it was Mom's Morning Out that first brought me through the doors of Orchard Hill Church. I was in my early 30s, looking for friends, looking for answers, and looking for God. Led by Linda Bartlett, Mom's Morning Out was a group of 15 to 20 young moms, many of whom, whom I still know today, including Jennifer Van Gent. I admired Linda from the moment I met her. She is such an authentic, warm, and welcoming person. I expected to feel out of place in a group that met in a church, but because of Linda's kindness, I felt at home. She was a mentor to all of us, often sharing what she was learning as a Christian and as a parent. One piece of wisdom that I distinctly remember hearing from Linda was to invest in family experiences, not things. I think this planted a seed that later translated into my own family's tradition of taking annual national park trips. Over the years, our family has explored many national parks. This photo was taken in 2015 at Angel's Landing in Zion National Park. It was truly an amazing hike, but not recommended for those with a fear of heights. Brian is on the left, Gabe is in the green, and Anya is in the red. We have so many great memories as a family because of these experiences. Mom's Morning Out gave me my first faith community and a safe place to ask hard questions, wrestle with doubt, and eventually realize that I was faced with a decision. What do I believe about Jesus? Once I began to attend church on Sundays, I was amazed by how Orchard's teaching inspired me. I found Dave Bartlett's style to be especially relatable. So when I was stuck on questions about who Jesus really was and why God would use Jesus in such a brutal plan for my salvation, I went to Dave. 
I don't remember a lot of specifics about that conversation, but I do remember Dave reassuring me that it, this is a good question and one that many people struggle with as part of their faith journey. Ultimately, it came down to accepting the Bible as truth, even the parts that are hard to understand. And this is where Sally Baker entered into my story. After my conversation with Dave, I signed up for Sally's Bible study, Square One, which she describes as a flyover of the Bible. Sally provided the stories from the seats here in Grundy last Sunday, and after hearing her narrative, I'm sure you'll agree that it's no surprise that God used her passion for the Bible and her gift of teaching to help me take my next step of faith. Sally shared the Bible in a way that I could understand and believe. God used Sally's teaching gift to satisfy my need for facts. It was her class that convinced me that the Bible is historically accurate and the source of God's word. The Bible became a little less intimidating, and I was surprised to be able to relate to many passages, such as this verse in Romans, which helped me understand why I felt like an imposter as a child. Paul, writing about himself, states, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Paul's words seem to be written for me. I am all too human, a slave to sin. I began to realize that I was not alone in my dark inner struggle, and Jesus came to provide our way back to God. I was finally able to believe that not only that Jesus lived, but that he gave his life so that we could be set free to live the fullness of life that God intended. In April of 2001, I experienced Easter for what felt like the first time, and my faith journey came full circle. As I worked in my garden early in the spring, the patches of perennial bloodroot were, as usual, the first flowers to emerge. The name bloodroot describes the red sap that flows out of the stems when they're broken. These pure white blooms emerging from the cold, lifeless ground gave me a picture of the resurrection, and I was able to connect my love of nature with everything I was learning about Jesus. It was as if God gave us these unique flowers to illustrate his truth in a way that cannot be missed. And I believe it's important to stop here and admit that after all these years, I still feel a bit of uneasy tension when I speak or hear the name Jesus. This tension serves to remind me that there are still people who are uncomfortable in the church, just like I was when I first walked through the doors of Orchard Hill Church. As a new Christian, I was feeling more and more at home in the church, attending on Sundays and bringing my kids to great adventure. In the meantime, my sister and her husband, Joe, relocated to Cedar Falls from Texas with their young boys. 
They chose to attend Orchard Hill Church to encourage me in my faith journey. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but Orchard was going through a difficult period of conflict that resulted in some members leaving our church, including two people who led the senior adult ministry. Seemingly by God's design, just as my youngest was starting school, the opening for the senior ministry position was published in the bulletin. I remember sitting in church next to my sister when she nudged me and said, you'd be good at that. I applied for the position, and as you already know, I was hired. There are times when God's sense of humor is unmistakable. I had spent much of my life feeling like an imposter, undeserving, ill-equipped, and uncertain that I belonged. How ironic that there I was, 35 years old, new to faith, and leading a ministry of senior adults. I was an unlikely choice, but the staff and congregation of Orchard Hill Church welcomed me with open arms. You know, the worship band plays a song that praises God's reckless love for us, and the lyrics include the line, you have been so, so good to me. I am moved by those words because I know that God has been so kind to me. When I needed it, he not only provided a job, but a work environment where staff meetings include worship, inspiring stories of God at work, and group prayer. How cool is that? He also gave me a church family that cared about me and my family. My kids grew up going to Great Adventure and attending services with me. And I know Brian feels at home around Orchard. And that means so much to me. Although I learned late in life how to be a friend, I now have an abundance of authentic friendships. And because of Orchard, I have discovered a passion for Christian community and helping others find a place to belong. As a ministry leader, I've learned to pay attention whenever I feel a nudge to introduce certain individuals or small groups of people because when I obey these promptings, God often uses my effort to bring about surprising new friendships. Each time I see this process unfold, my heart swells. It's really my favorite part of my job. Working alongside Jennifer has been especially encouraging. I could not ask for a better friend or ministry partner. Our strengths and our differences complement each other, and we have made a great team. Because of what God has done, Route 55 and Connect and Care are incredibly active and missional ministries of our church. As we both prepare to step down in January, we anticipate that God is already at work to fill our shoes with the leaders who will take these ministries into the future. And we have even wondered if he may nudge somebody sitting in the seats today. I am grateful to belong to Orchard Hill Church. Because Orchard has faithfully invested in relationships both inside and outside of its walls, my concepts of community and hospitality are so much larger than they once were. And because of Orchard, I have learned that Jesus has given us the freedom 
to live life fully and without fear of our own darkness because he has us covered. And likewise, we have the freedom to love others without sizing them up because he has them covered too. Earlier this week, I received this daily verse from the YouVersion Bible app, and I would like to close with it because I think it's a beautiful encouragement to cheer us on as Christians. It's from Hebrews 10, verse 24 of the message. It reads, So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let us keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Come next January, I look forward to engaging in new ways in the mission of Orchard Hill Church. I want to approach this next stage in life full of belief and keeping a firm grip on his promises. And when I do, I am confident that God will continue you to show me fun and inventive ways to serve him, encourage others, and enjoy his amazing creation. Thank you. <laughs> All right, will you pray with me? God, you set everything in motion. You created us uh, out of your overflowing love, your community in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You created us in your image, and you made us a beautiful place to live. And then the truth and the reality of this world came crashing in, that we are all uh, marred by sin. We all turn our face from you, and it affects us in the deepest parts of who we are. And God, you promise not to leave us. You promise to make a way for us to return to you. And we can see it so clearly in Jean's story. Thank you for the family that she was born into, rooted and established in love, like literally in nature. And uh, you promise that even when we don't know you, even when we aren't led to you as young people, you will reveal yourself to us. And thank you for doing that for Jean through nature. And God, thank you for your promise to be with us even when we can't feel your presence. Thank you uh, that you put people around Jean when she was floundering and that she was able to see the light again. And then, God, we're just so thankful that you uh, set in Jean's very bones the truth that you tell each and every one of us that we are light because we are made in your image, we are light, and we can um, use how you wired us up, uh, the vision you have for our life to, to show your light in this world. So would you help each one of us to face our darkness, to accept the love, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, and the reunion that you offer, Jesus, that you will reunite us with God and that you will make a path for us to be light in this world. Thank you for all of the ways that Jean has done that over the years and continues to do that. We pray that you will lay a vision before her that uh, fills her with joy and purpose and continues to do your work in this world. And we sure hope, God, that it will be uh, at Orchard a good chunk of the time. 
Thank you for every person in this room hearing the story today. Would you remind us of your promises, that you will always love us, that you'll always be with us, that you are just the turning of our head away um, for us to receive your love and your guidance and your power um, in our life. We're so thankful for the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus that reunites us with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.